Greetings, everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron and a friend sharpens a friend. You are listening to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. I am the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Broadcasting to you from the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast, the third coast of Texas. The darkest truths from the darkest web need to be told. And you must listen to the Beyond Top Secret Texan. Yes, greetings everybody out there in Dreamland. The first show of 2023. In fact, this is being recorded on the first of the year. Excellent. Guest we have, Creepy Little Book. You may know him as Pete from Creepy Little Book. But that is such an amazing channel that I have listened to watched and followed for so many years that has been a direct inspiration to the creation not only of my own channel but the creation of this podcast and just many of the endeavors that I have undertaken online in speaking on these subjects I have researched or been enlightened on the subjects via creepy little books videos podcast episodes and live streams great paranormal investigator a great researcher of the obscure the 14 the occult the mystical the ancient the controversial without having to say too much Just know that out of the many guests that I have had on this show, this ranks as one of the most enthusiastic recordings. That this is one of the most exciting recordings in terms of just how how much personally that I respect Pete from Creepy Little Book. His efforts, his channel, and the information that he has provided. His service to a public, on platforms, that censor him, that bury him in the algorithm. For surely, if anyone deserves major success... It would be the creepy little book. And if you were to say, who has done the best work and gotten the least amount of praise for it, the least amount of respect, the least amount of recognition, unfairly and unjustly, creepy little book on YouTube. Absolutely. Providing evidence and research material on everything from Hermes Trismegistus to the illusionary moon to various occult groups, occult figures, controversies from history, tales of ancient giants in Antarctica. To the Emerald Tablets of Toth from ancient Egypt. The subject matter that he covers is very extensive, and the amount of information he provides equally profound. This is a great honor for the Beyond Top Secret Texan to have him agree to be a special guest and to give this interview. 
Thank you all out there in Dreamland for joining me on this. Remember to follow me online through Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texting, the only link you're going to need. Follow me on my pod page, my web page. Follow me on my platforms. Rate. Give your honest opinion. We'd love to hear from you. It really motivates us. And it helps us out tremendously when you like, subscribe, and share our content on your social media, on your groups, on your pages. As long as you give us proper support, proper um, recognition, just link. Either link tree slash beyond top secret Texan or an at beyond top secret Texan or a hashtag beyond top secret Texan helps us out tremendously. Thank you all very much for those that have supported me throughout these last two years and those that will support me into 2023. I hope this interview, uh, you know, strikes fast and hard when it comes to this calendar year for the type of incredible entertainment that we have scheduled, that we are trying to get scheduled, and that we are going to be shooting for each and every time. The highest quality guests, the highest quality interviews, the highest quality for you the best audience out there in Dreamland. So thank you very much. Probably also the highest audience out there in Dreamland as well. <sighs> so thank you all very much. Now, the next time you'll hear my voice will be when I make contact with Pete from The Creepy Little Book. So thank you all very much. How's it going? Hello. Hey, how's it going? Thank you very much for accepting the invitation to be a special guest. Um, just making sure the connection's going good and everything. Is it strong? Is it working out? Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, my name is Mike. Uh, go by Beyond Top Secret Techs uh, for the podcast and everything. Longtime fan. Been watching your videos for years and everything, so... Um, you got a full enthusiastic. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem, man. Like, thank you very much. It's an honor for me. It's like it's one of the highlights of my young career as a podcaster, and and thank you very much. Like I said, I've I've always been very interested in uh, your delivery and the the what inspires you to search your topics that you did and you know your journey basically as a private uh, paranormal investigator. Sorry, not private paranormal investigator, and and kind of watching you over the years. Uh, you know, really inspired me to kind of get into this as well. So thank you very much. Oh, no problem at all. Like I said, I, you know, I'm happy to do it. I mean, I mean, yeah. So yeah, um, without getting too much into it, it's going to be a simple uh, hour or wh- however long you would like to go uh, for interview, uh, just to kind of get into your both you as a creator, uh, what got you into this um, this uh, career life, and you know. Uh, what drives you, what inspires you, what keeps you going, uh, and then you're kind of, you know, as a, uh, you know, theorist, as a, as a, having researched, having researched so much information over the years, how has that changed your worldview or your perception, you know, your gestalt, uh, concept of reality or your theories on, like, your relative theories on everything, you know, like, uh, you know, life in the universe and all that? And and how right. like how are you moving forward? Uh, what projects you have in the future? How what's the the twenty twenty is going to look like for Creepy Little Book? Sounds great. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you very much. Like once again, thank you very much. It's an honor. Uh, call me Mike or call me uh, Text. So all the podcast doesn't really matter. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'll call you uh, Peter. You want me to call you Creepy Little Book? How do you want me to do this? Uh, Pete's fine. Pete's fine. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then um, yeah, I'll uh, we'll just kind of get into it. And we'll just jump into it. All right, sounds good to me. Okay, so let's go in uh, three, two, one. Thank you all very much for joining me. Uh, we've done the introduction already, the five-minute introduction, so thank you very much. Uh, we're talking to Pete from Creepy Little Book right now. Uh, introduce yourself in your own words, my man. 
Well, hey there, everybody. How you doing? My name is Pete. I am a master of mysteries and antiquary of the arcane. But at the end of the day, I'm just a humble weirdo in the dark, peddling some strange stories to entertain and inform. Thank you very much, man, for your work and your service. Um, While you have been going strong since 2014... Um, you've gotten 3 million plus views, uh, via YouTube alone. I still think that they're shadow banning you. I think that the algorithm is, you know, uh, not promoting you enough as you should. Because if anyone deserves millions of followers and, uh, mainstream legitimate, you know, like, attention, it's creepy little book. And I've said that for years. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, you know, that might be the case. I uh, I noticed it started probably back in 2016. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to be able to post a video, get 10, 20,000 views on it without a problem. And, uh, you know, it's just a different landscape on the platform today. So, you know, I've been looking at alternative options to spread my digital footprint. I think, I think that's the smart move. I think everyone has to do I mean, I love YouTube. Everyone loves YouTube. YouTube means so much to so many people. And it's not a lie to say that um, it is trying to disney itself. And yeah, there used to be a golden age, and some say it was the Wild West. But around 2016, the adpocalypse. Um, I've watched uh, YouTube seriously more than I have any other media. Um, you know, for videos, conspiracy theories, uh, entertainment. Uh, I started doing it solidly since about 2012. So I wasn't there during like the beginning, obviously, but and what a long, strange trip it's been to see the tyranny of big companies and big corporations and uh, Google and Alphabet with their censorship, and it's just, you know, it's Orwellian. It really is. Yeah, it's very unsettling. I, uh, yeah. I don't really care for it myself. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a strange combination of this, like, uh, 1984 brave new world that we live in. You know, it's not one or the other extreme so much. But a combination of the two. Well, they made no mistake in saying that the cons- the quote-unquote conspiracy theorist was the quote-unquote enemy of the YouTube platform. And that wholesale people were getting demonetized, deplatformed, disenfranchised, yeah. and discriminated against. And um, coming into it in 2020, like I did, uh, well, actually 2018, but 2020 is when I started getting serious full-time. Um that it it's already, you know, no going back to how it was, a actual free speech platform where people, independent creators, much like public access television, could speak their minds and speak and share what they deemed as interesting, regardless of whether or not, like, your work, it was actually very important. And you may, you were making some very good strides, and still are, you know, absolutely. Like, people were really doing good and 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 helping um people find the truth in these obscure matters and these uh relatively very fringe and you know there's no other word for it obscure and controversial subjects um oh, absolutely. and then people started waking up people started asking a lot of questions you could tell there was a change in the the public discourse and big tech, big uh, Silicon Valley type companies, Alphabet, Google, YouTube, when they started buying each other up, you know, um, they became the, the, you know, I don't want to be too extreme, but, you know, the new Gestapo, the new uh, mind control police, you know, you have to tell only their version of events or you're considered, you know, someone worth discriminating against or, or, you know, treating like a second-class citizen. And it's not even... Oh, no, I agree. And it's so unfair. It's so unjust. And it's like, you know, yeah, I, I, I've started doing the podcast. Podcasts seem to be a lot less censored, a lot more uh, protected because it is speech. Um, you know, it, this is free speech and everything, but I think that's going to be the big issue going into the 2020s is we need to stop these big companies from stopping us like basically just like you know it's 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 got to be a matter of of right and wrong you know and well, what they're doing is wrong yeah you know, like there, there's a matter of accountability and will we see any of that accountability play out in the future i'd like to think so 
But the cynic in me tells me it's not going to happen. Nobody's going to be held accountable for this kind of nonsense. No one will be punished for it. Nobody's going to do any jail time. Nobody's going to pay any fines. Well, like Twitter, you know? Twitter kind of proved that at least there is always the chance of justice. Some pe- some people are losing their jobs after, uh, you know, deserving to after basically placing themselves as information czars or, you know, moral police and things yeah. in, in big places. Uh, whether that's going to happen to YouTube, exactly. Like, the one that matters the most, matters way more than Twitter ever will, is, you know, the thing with billions of videos being loaded to it every day and literally 15 or 17 years of, uh, you know, sentimental value, basically. Like, we need to protect that. That is that is something that's like a library, you know? That's That's like the public library. And these people are openly going and burning books. Openly going and, and erasing right, like imagine if someone would do that, like openly going and just like disappearing authors and and you know uh, artists and things like that. We, I think, well, that's just you know that's just shooting from the hip and didn't mean yeah. to get into that tangent or nothing, but uh, <laughs> this is an interview. <laughs> okay, by the way, if you're listening at home, uh, loyal listeners out there in Dreamland. Definitely go right now and check out Creepy Little Book. You can subscribe to his YouTube channel, and he's got podcasts, um, excellent podcast. Um, he live streams late at night, uh, huge archive of those live streams, and every single one of them is like you know really great to go back and re-listen to and everything. But definitely check out even the classic videos from 2014, 2015, and uh, 2016 for some basically a tier content you know from the uh you know it was a golden age of youtube level content you know at the last days of that 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 kind of uh, dark night that we're now in yeah that's true that's true i've actually uh, uh recently dabbled back into making that kind of content again the short format videos you know about that. Specific the female pope uh, right the female pope i got a couple coming up this week i've been saving for the new year so I'm going to drop one regarding the pentacle and its history and meaning in the tarot. Uh, and the other is going to be about Nimrod from the Bible. Ah, oh, Nimrod, the t- builder of the Tower of Babel. Correct. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Um, can you help uh, everyone get their footing and explain like your, your process? How did this start? How did this begin? Uh, well, I was just talking about the variety of information. Uh, did you come from a religious background? Did you come from a uh, educated, like a were you a college uh, student who was interested in like the historical? Um, how did how did your interest in the paranormal uh, begin? And and why did you take the route that you have? Because you talk about it's because you know to describe your your content. Uh, everything from end time prophecies to UFOs to occult forces to giants in Antarctica to you know dissecting things like uh, Gnosticism, mysticism, alchemists from from um, history. I think your work on the American alchemist um, from uh, I think it was New Jersey, the one that threw uh, the Randolph. Yes, the one that st- threw the had the uh, stone or the the. Oh, oh no! That was uh, Kelpius, uh, Johannes Kelpius, Johannes who threw the philosopher's stone. Yeah, yeah. Excellent that, amount of research. And, uh, yeah, so uh, really, it starts when I'm young. Uh, the religious background has little something to do with it. I was raised Catholic, went to parochial school all twelve years mm-hmm. uh, of uh, of my education, you know, and. Uh, they even tried to recruit me for the priesthood in the end. I was good with religion. I understood it. I was fascinated. I think the weird thing about Catholicism is it leaves the door open to the supernatural in a way that many religions don't. At the same time, I was introduced to things on television like In Search Of and Arthur C. Clarke's Mysterious World. Uh, there were commercials that used to play for a Time Life book series called Mysteries of the Unknown. Uh, there was a show called Unsolved Mysteries. You know, there was uh, a real belief that the world contained mysterious forces and unsolved phenomenon throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And I think the, the internet in some ways has revived that. And in other areas, it absolutely killed all interest. 
I think there's a, yeah, I think there is a odd, odd uh, it's, it's a matter of numbers. There's always a certain percentage that is very open-minded and a certain percentage that just really couldn't care is very apathetic. And then a certain section of like a percentage that's going to be, uh, you know, hardcore skeptical, which means denialist and, you know, like doubters and just people who are, uh, you know, uh, not open to it. The closed minded folk. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're, you're right. Yeah, but the, well, statistics, the internet opens up that conversation because, you know, it's hard to see what everyone's thinking about from the mainstream side of things. When you allow everyone to kind of raise their hand and choose for themselves, uh, you know, to speak up and everything, that public access uh, television, for example, or um, the YouTube, you know, you'll it's it's that's, you know, the numbers are there. The, it's millions of people. Millions of people okay. are interested. Yeah. Uh, so, besides the interest that I had in it, my mom, when I was a kid, used to take me to the library all the time. And I would gravitate towards, uh, you know, science fiction, fantasy, history, religion, and esoteric works. And uh, these kind of things just laid the foundation for the kind of interests that I would develop throughout my life. So, when it came down uh, to creating content i originally was doing a podcast uh about i don't know i want to say 11 years ago i started a podcast with a couple friends of mine uh intended to be a comedic themed podcast and it turned out uh we just would talk about ufos instead of being funny uh so that was short-lived but it, it, it taught me how to edit audio so that was a foothold into moving towards YouTube and editing video, you know, learning how to uh, manipulate footage and create engaging content. Uh, I really started, initially I was on another channel called Yellow Cube with a partner named Greg, and we had started uh, reviewing stuff like Graham Hancock's work and uh, The Twelfth Planet. Mm-hmm. by Zachariah Sitchins and, and, and we would get into these deep discussions regarding that kind of stuff and we go uh, with Rosicrucians, with Freemasons but uh, the workload was too much for him, he was doing all the cinematography and the editing, I was doing all the writing and the uh, the uh, you know uh, the presenting and he just kind of bailed so I said to myself you know, let me uh, let me take all this and start my own channel and go forward from there, and, and the rest is history. Now, um, you started out with uh, content that was short form and everything. Um, yeah, was that a was that a conscious choice? Did you want to make the? Because I know a lot of YouTube videos back then were like between two to like five, maybe even ten minutes was a long video. Ten minutes was like considered a very long video. Yeah. Because now you do hour-long live streams. Now you do, like, two-hour-long uh, live streams sometimes. But, like, hour-long presentations on subjects. Um, like, Are you still writing them? Like, were those, like, I guess you call it, like, your journey between that first era and the now. Could you, like, help uh, shine some light on that? Absolutely. When I first started the channel, I was a single guy without any kids. So it was really easy to devote a lot of time to scripting, editing, uh, and research. And, you know, as my life changed over the years, and, you know, I found myself with different responsibilities, uh, live streaming was a way for me to stay connected with my audience, even though I wasn't able to consistently produce the short form content that the channel was known for. So we kind of moved into the direction of doing consistent live streams. I did one every night for a year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before I burned myself out. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was just a test of endurance to see if I could actually do it. No, it was a Herculean, uh, Herculean schedule. I remember um, watching a number of those and just being like, I can't, I, I don't know, like, how you were able just to be every night, you know? Yeah, I try to do something different every night. I think there's a couple repeats in there, maybe a couple like retitles with some different uh, twists to them. But uh, for the most part, we deliver something different every night. 
and uh, and delve into a new fascinating topic. You know, I I, I hate being repetitive, and and that's kind of where I find myself now, eight years later. You know, do I want to continue to be repetitive? Or, you know, am I going to look towards new angles to present content about? Well, this this entire genre of content is, by its very nature, kind of uh, closed in, right? It only has so much room to go, and it's always people retreading the same old ground. Um, because it's like, you know, it's, it's, you actually provide information. You do some real research and provide a lot of insight into these subjects. And it kind of becomes one of those things where I can definitely understand where you're going, but always feel free to go back and, and re-look at subjects, you know? Always feel back to go look at them with, like, you know, new eyes and or a new perspective. You know, it's it's something that, yeah, like, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, going to dissuade people from listening if you go back and do oh, the, the, the yeah, same show twice type thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Interested in topic, are definitely going to revisit it. Uh, you know, regardless of how many times we might talk about it. You know, uh, Nephilim is a great example of that. People love talking about giants. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's a topic that I've revisited over and over again since I first started. It was one of my biggest videos in the early days of the channel. Was my uh, Nephilim giants video. Then the Nephilim Antarctica video did very well for me, and uh, you know, it's still a pretty hot topic when I live stream. It's but, relevant uh, information. Uh, Every yeah. year that goes by, this information becomes more relevant, especially the Antarctica videos, especially the giant videos, Nephilim videos, end times prophecy videos. Um, you know, that's always worth going over because those are the times that we live in. And it's just that there's more evidence every year. That the, it just gets clearer and clearer that that's the case. The phenomenon that we're experiencing is not... Um, whether or not these myths are real, but why did these realities become myths? Like, I think you believe, I think I heard the phrase mysteries. Uh, it's the myth, myths and histories. Mysteries. The historical. Historical. Yes, the historical. The historical, yes, the historical. Uh, yeah, it's where the the myth and mystery meets the historical, the historical. The historical, yes, I remember that. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, but there's something to that. I mean, there there is an intersection of where history meets the unexplained, and where these phenomena and these events leave people scratching their heads, and will do so for time immemorial. You know, there's reports of ghosts that go back to ancient Athens. Yes. There's ghosts to be raised up in the Bible, you know, with the witch of Endor, you know, where these, uh, I mean, witchcraft is, is an old as time. Well, even so kind of is, to say uh, that your work is even limited to that perspective, you've talked about ancient Greece with Hermes Trismegistus or Toth. You've talked about, um, you know, the Hyperborean myth cycle, the Yeti war of, of that's prophecy. You've talked about some very fringe and obscure, controversial ancient histories. But at the same time, those, I think, are uh, highly relevant as well. Not just the the history of Europe, as it were, but the history of the greater, you know, Earth. I would absolutely agree. I mean, uh, there's a book I've been... Uh, I, I started reading it on this place that I was looking for it last night. But it's the lost and uh, forgotten history of Civilization X. Mm-hmm. And it talks about uh, this ancient worldwide mother culture that we all descend from prior to Atlantis, yep. tied into the biblical tribe of Jasher. And uh, it's an interesting take. It's definitely interesting. It starts out with the Black Knight satellite and it hits the ground running from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would recommend the book. Uh, the author's name escapes me at the time, but if you go on any reputable bookseller and type in Civilization X, I'm fairly certain it's going to be the first result. Yeah, and that kind of leads into my second point. My question was that after having done so much research uh, so consistently, like you said, one video every night, one live stream every night, uh, how has that changed your worldview? How has that changed your perception of things? Uh, Surely that has had to... Uh, wear off, you know, like if you stare into the abyss, it stares back into you. Surely, staring into such occult uh, knowledge 
you know, it has to have some kind of impact. So has that affected your view on history or your view on humanity or your view on, like, you know, in a lot more of this stuff when I started, I was a lot more open-minded to a lot of this stuff when I began. So I, I would say at this point, I don't believe in 85% of the things that I talk about. The 15% of stuff I still do believe in is bananas. But uh, it's, it's, you know, the fact of the matter is, look, once you really start diving down in a lot of this stuff, asking a lot of the tough questions, you know, it's either a matter of the fact that nobody understands some of these topics and they're all talking... Uh, tales out of school or there's a grand conspiracy to cover it all up and at the end of the day I'm more inclined to believe that even those in the know as they say don't really know all that much I, I agree I, I agree that there are the gatekeepers but the gatekeepers have never been on the other side of the gate exactly I absolutely agree on that um you have a, uh, a, a, I guess you would call it, um, a way of presenting the information objectively, though. So you present everything fairly. You present it as it's written. And um, that being said, without inclinations of belief or support, what is your favorite theory that, like, just, just for whatever reason, like the theory that you personally liked presenting the most in your in your YouTube channel or your efforts on the podcast? Uh, I, I think for me it was always Antarctica. Antarctica? Those Antarctica videos of mine were the most fun to produce. They were the most well-received. They really helped build the channel. And it's a mystery that was so fresh at the time. So engaging. Everybody was looking for information on it. It was all over the blogs, you know, which were a thing at the time. Uh, and, you know, it, it still continues to, to be a mystery. Uh, when I started doing Antarctica videos, I was receiving emails from a mysterious source that was telling me these crazy stories about their experience, you know, down in Antarctica and talking about secret cities under the ice, crazy stuff like that. Uh, eventually I lost contact with this person, so I'll never know how the story ends. But, uh, I did go ahead and produce, uh, a handful of videos based on these, you know, these email exchanges that I was having with this person. And, uh, you know, I still find Antarctica captivating. Who knows the real truth about what lies at the South Pole? This, this continent that laid undiscovered by man for millennia that we know in the ancient past was a tropical paradise. You know, oh, and, and there's so many myths around it. From the UFO myth. Yeah. There's so much. Myths, Hollow Earth. Absolutely. There's dozens of different, uh, all related or independent, um, like aspects of the Antarctica mythos, the legend that is Antarctica. Everything, like you said, from the Third Reich, to uh, alien ruins, ancient ruins of, of ancient alien origin, um, to even dragons, and like you said, the Nephilim, frozen uh, by a higher power, you know, or, or a uh, like Atlantean-type disaster. Um, a lot of people even claim it is Atlantis itself. Absolutely. And, and that is a whole... Uh, rabbit hole that people can absolutely get lost in. So I agree that Antarctica is a fascinating subject. But what is your what is your specific uh, like like what would be the one Antarctica mythos that you would like to explain or at least explore more in your future? Well, I love the whole Ark Gabriel story that came out of there a few years back. The Ark of Gabriel that was found in Saudi Arabia in 2017. Exactly, exactly. But I think we've heard the last of that story. I don't think anything is ever going to come of that again. Uh, you know, it, it, there need to be some more dignitaries that head down there or some kind of UFO sighting to really spark any debate about Antarctica again. 
So it could be years before something happens that kind of brings it back to the forefront in those certain niche circles that are interested in the mystery. I would highly recommend uh, Florida Mackey's YouTube channel and his efforts on looking at satellite photography via Google Earth Pro in Antarctica. And um, he has uh, unlocked, and some other channels do this as well, uh, images of ancient, like, I think there's a giant gray alien uh, face carving that looks very much like the Mars face in Cydonia. Uh, and yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, like there's like uh, stargates, various creatures like sea serpents, mammoths, uh, giant birds, dragons, what he claims are dragons or what we he sees as dragons in the imagery and presents as. So just, you know, that could be a, an aspect I think uh, is is definitely worth looking at. These, these images themselves and the people who look into these images um, – I'm at the point thinking that Antarctica is fully disclosed and the reason why it's kind of getting, uh, you know, kind of falling back into the, the shadows, as it were, from the, you know, the, the front stage of people's minds is that disclosure is one of the things, like, once it's revealed, it loses the, it loses the kind of uh, the, the momentum. It's almost all in the open now. It's almost like everybody knows about New Schwabenland. Everybody knows about the Operation High Jump from Admiral Byrd. Everybody knows about the connection to the ancient world of like Mu and Atlantis. And it's not like it's a bad thing. I think that's a great thing that people are getting, you know, hip to it so much that it is kind of losing its shock value. You're absolutely right. I lament a bit of the mystique is lost on a lot of these topics. You know, they don't seem to be as mysterious as they once were. You know, Bermuda Triangle just doesn't really do it for me anymore. Like the sentimentality of it. Yeah, exactly. Like it, uh, um, you, you, you mentioned In Search Of from the 1970s. And I believe yeah. that, that had a lot of magic to those episodes because it felt new. And watching that program as a child on the History Channel on the reruns. Are, yeah. You know, that felt like it was presenting this unexplainable mystery. But now as time goes on, it's not the mystery that's been explained, but we we just know so much about it. We know so many stories about it um, that it, it's no longer, like you said, there's a, there's a mystique. Like a mystique. Yeah, exactly. A, a significance to it. But I, I feel like it's important to um, always remember, even though our feeling is gone, that it's new for somebody else. Yeah, I try to keep that in mind every night. You know, it's, it's always somebody's first show. Mm-hmm. And I'm only broadcasting to one person. You know what I mean? And that's the listener. Yes. Uh, you, you're doing an excellent job. And I'm just trying to saying that as uh, someone who kind of wants you to keep going and everything. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah, I have no intention of stopping. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking that at this point, I'm inclined to find myself injecting my personal opinions on current cultural events into my videos a little more than I have in the past. You know, my hero, Art Bell, would never shy away from current events in the beginning of his shows. And uh, I'm, you know, I've been kind of uh, sitting on the fence about a lot of things because I don't want to ruffle YouTube feathers and endanger my channel. But I'm at the point now where there are alternatives. Well, moving into the uh, the next half hour of the interview, let's address that the not only the future of your programming or what you are interested in currently, and moving in like you know, like what is what is the now except the future, uh, the immediate future? You know uh, what you see it yourself doing and this next year um, and, and your views and opinions on, on society at large and the world that we find ourselves living in every day, how it affects us, the AKA the real world. Um, and you're complete. You get, you have all the, the time you need to explain yourself or to make your points. It's uncensored. Um, I, I will never ever edit or censor out anything. Any of my guests say, especially someone as esteemed as yourself, so you have oh, well, the floor. You. Exactly. I, I'm not one of these people that believes that um, just because people 
you know, people are like, oh, you have an opinion and that's bad. No, you have opinion and that's good, no matter what that opinion is, you know, and say it loud, say it proud type mentality. You know, as long as we keep talking, you know, we we win. Well, you know, at the end of the day, I'm kind of a traditionalist. I, uh, I might even go so far as to say a retrograde. I feel the world has gone to the precipice of insanity. And unless it's drug backwards, kicking and screaming, if need be, we're all going to go over this cliff together. Now, there's a lot of factors that got us to this point. I blame mostly the uh, corporate, political, and media machine that kind of drives the narrative every day. But, uh, you know, we're not in a good position. Now, that doesn't mean there's not time to turn back. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, that doesn't mean there's not time to turn back, but, you know, where we find ourselves... Uh, it's clear that there are many vested interests who have very powerful influence over our society. And these interests all have their own agendas. You know, I, I used to, when I was younger, believe the idea of this kind of grand unifying theory that would tie it all together. Everything that would kind of pinpoint on the, the map where the aliens met with the Bigfoots and how it all tied into George Washington, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, all joking aside, uh, I I really think it's 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 like political gang warfare. There is a you know, there is a darkness to it all that you start there seeing, is. like like nihilism in in today. Um, and you're absolutely right. It's it's decaying empire. It's hedonism. It's Rome going mad with lead in the pipes. It's um, absolutely a point where, you know, it's not even a, I, I, I know how you, when you first said it, you kind of had this hesitancy to even declare yourself like a classicalist or like, you know, a, a, a revisionist, I mean, not a, a retrograde. And it's absolutely a matter, of course, now saying that the country was great. The country had a golden age where that was the ideal point of being American. And now we are far from that mark. You cannot drive around America and think it's the same country as it was even uh, 50 years ago. And that's the 1970s, you know, that, yeah. and that wasn't that great, <laughs> you know, like that, that's like a far cry from the, the, like, you know, even more ideal idea of uh, what America could have been post-war dream and how it's, how it's, how it fucked up and how it changed right in front of our eyes is because of the companies, the corporations, like you said, who had only the dollar, only the profit in mind, and they let everything else go to rot because they could just make money on profit off any crisis or any scandal or any situation. And that's what people don't get is that nothing has progressed. Everything has regressed or degenerated. And the only people who are or who find this ideal or find this profitable are the people who are making themselves our masters because we're falling apart and, and letting this fall, letting ourselves fall apart as a society, as people, as local communities, small town America is completely dead. Um, for example, rural America is being bought up by Bill Gates, things like, <clears throat> and that needs to stop. It's, it's not so much, um, hate thy neighbor, but hate thy slave master. <laughs> you know, like if Jeff Bezos doesn't let his employees, take bathroom breaks and encourages them to piss in bottles on a, in an assembly line, a warehouse. How is that any different than a sweatshop operating in America with like child labor or, you know, like, like locking people by the ankle to their sewing machines. Like, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, exactly. Like that, that we need to understand and address these things as real social ills and re- these people as real criminals and that America needs to do a lot more to protect uh, the little guy, the, the you know, the working man, the the everyday people, because it's it's just getting out of hand. We're not each other's enemies, but we do have enemies in this country, and it's like, you know, I I, sh- I really shake my head at just how rare common sense is and morality 
people don't think of things as right or wrong or good versus evil. They just think of things as, you know, me, me, me. Well, once religion was pushed out of the public square to the extent that it has been in this country, what is there to hold any moral standard up to? The you know, where do people dead. derive morality from? Yeah, you know, like their, their morality comes from the world around them. So, yeah. you know, it's like there's been this video going around the last couple of weeks of a comedian who pointed out that in the specific year of our Lord 20, they banned babies cold outside on the radio, but they were playing WAP uh, as the number one song. And he read the lyrics to contrast how these two songs oh, differ yeah. from each other. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, it's just, uh, where where do people get their morals and values from today? Is it is it from the world around them, or is it from a higher source? I think it's generally from this corrupt world around them that teaches them horrible things. Likewise, I don't think people really mature much past the age of 16. I think we're dealing with a very uh, large segment of the population that hits that age and just kind of stagnates there mentally for the rest of their lives i would agree i would also think that like i've said before the statistics the percentages uh we're looking at now an overwhelmingly uneducated society an, a society that has been rewarded to be ignorant and um companies that are all behind it and like they want workers and they want the perfect drone they want people who have no opinions besides what they're given like consume content and be happy with nothing, you know, the great reset, you'll own nothing and you'll eat the bugs. And yep. they want that at the cost of the community at like around them, because that produces absolutely it's I don't know. I've, I've been to big cities lately. I've seen the cost of this 21st century in terms of uh, it's just like it's almost like Mad Max without the the violence. It's just bizarre dystopia. Like Babylon <laughs> returned uh, uh, back again, and it's like, you know, I really do fear for the future. I really do. Uh, the 2020s, to me, I think are going to be a very, very important decade when it comes to the future of the United States, the future of the world, because this isn't just our problem. This is a problem with just every modern... Uh, you know, nation. Western nation. Yeah. It, yeah, it's got to do with every modern Western nation. It's been yeah. invaded by a, a pseudo religion that has infected everything. Yes, and I would say its flag is as a rainbow on it. And I, I mean, I too will get censored uh, by the ban. So um, I'll leave it at that. You know exactly. You you there are there are sacred cows into this Babylonian system. Right. You're, no, you're, you're absolutely right. There are they have their own holy symbols. They have yeah. their own dogma, but they don't have any deity. They don't answer any higher authority. They make gods of themselves. Yeah, it's it's a mirror. The god of themselves. When the is a world revolves around you, you develop these narcissistic ideas where you consider wild and crazy identities for yourself that don't seem to align with reality. It is a fetishization of... Uh, it, it's... And I think it is a mental illness, and I think it's just like how Rome... like, like In ancient Rome, I was taught... Because I, I was actually intellectual. <clears throat> I achieved a college education and everything. And, um, you know, I was also... Ag agnostic and but into the occult heavily into the occult when I was younger and I was always taught that Rome because I know researching the pantheons and all that Rome itself as a society crumbled into hedonism and perversion and basically just it, it wasn't taken over by an outside force it was destroyed by its own lack of discipline and its own carnal desires and it's like basically a group mental illness that they blamed on lead poisoning and um that's how they're going to look at America. That's how they're going to look at the Western world. That's how they're going to look at the modern world. That everything that was worked to be achieved fell apart within a century, uh, back into its feudalism, back into its 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 dark age again. And that's yeah. exactly that's where we live in now is a dark age because age. Yeah, because absolutely no one thought of the future. No one, everyone thought only of the now. And no one thought anything 
like there's no consequences. They live in this weird world where they've been so disempowered. They they have no control over the government. They have no control over society. They have no control over entertainment. And the only thing they have control on is this fetishization of bizarre reality that they choose to like when you have 50 year old men buying Funko pops and getting excited for like DC movies and things, you know, you have a major problem. You're absolutely right. I, I take big issue with a lot of that stuff. I take big issue with a lot of that stuff because I, I lived it and I came out of the other side of it. Oh, I think we all have. I think that's, that's one of the bitter cups to have drink. When you see yourself as, as part of the problem, when you start yeah, going through absolutely. the rehab, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Like, I try to get to you, I see 50-year-old men surrounded by toys, crying about movies, and, uh, and look, it's a great grift. You can make a lot of money doing it. It'd be real easy to do. Well, like you said, at one point you ask, where is your God? And and it's the idols around you. People people have that conception about false idols, that they're these terrifying or or evil entities. They're they're actually the entities made by men with with childish souls that cannot face reality as God intended. And like you said, when God gets taken out of society, when God gets rejected by a, a cult... That the cult that is whatever cult this is, the great nameless Babylon uh, that we're in, that it becomes uh, the things that you cherish and want the most, the things you desire, the things that bring you comfort, like, you know, the little idols that they would have in your tabernacle. They're no longer the truth. They're the things that you made because you think they make, they protect you. They think they, think they keep you safe. And the real world doesn't stop for us. Like the no, like you know, the the moon and the stars do not revolve around us. You know, we're a part of this stream of history, and it's never kind to people who who pretend like it's not the wolf out the door. Yeah, the the lesson of uh, the world does not revolve around us has been lost on many people. Lost. Utterly, people have missed the point on that one. I mean, you know, you can't look throughout social media today without seeing self-obsessed people doing things uh, just, you know, for attention. I think it's it's the absolute... Like, those people are... are you know, they're never going to wake up. They just aren't. Yeah. It's, it might be too late for, for many of these people, but, you know, as, as dark... As an age gets, the light just gets that much brighter. And I know you, having researched the hermetics and researched like uh, the different Gnostics, know that this arcane knowledge, this wisdom that they talked about thousand years ago, and you know the Dark Ages back then, is the same information spiritually that we talk about now. And in just oh, like absolutely. just like then. They had, they were, you know, they they were. If they talked about this in the open, people would deride them. People would, would you know, uh, ignore them more than anything else. And they had to go from place to place seeking audiences, seeking people who were interested in, you know, could could hear the messages that they had to bring. So in many ways, history repeats itself, and we are those, uh, we are those uh, bearers of ancient wisdom and and real knowledge from the prophets that's right that's absolutely right and you know it's it really is the more you know about this kind of stuff the the more it can skew your worldview. and I always tell people that once you start going down the rabbit hole you're going to find uncomfortable truths it's it's unpleasant it's unpleasant. It's better to be ignorant and stupid. It really is, and most people embrace it. And I, think but, uh, I, I agree. I think it, that's that's what it comes down to. Simply, it just it's ignorance is bliss. It is. It is better not to know. I, I'm but reminded of that. You know, I'm not that matrix. kind of person. You know, like I think that, I, 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 and that's what I found out about my audience too. Like, there's so many people out there that are just not willing to accept what they're told to face value. We're open-minded to many possibilities. 
Uh, and that's what I love about the community we've created over there on YouTube. It's just so, uh, it's a, first, it's super welcoming. Second, it's really open-minded. Uh, you know, for, for that hour that I do that show, you know, we, we have an entire community, an entire audience that agrees to engage in disbelief for just that hour, except that anything is possible. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been... It's been a journey for me, learning about myself, learning about you know uh, that you know being introspective about these kind of topics too. Because you have to ask yourself, what do you, where do you stand on these things? What you know, what do you really believe at the end of the day? And that's kind of my problem with the UFO community. The, you know, I I I really thought I wanted to be down with this UFO community in a way that I haven't been in the past. But the one thing I've learned about them is that uh, they're waiting on the government to give them answers to something that's never going to happen. Now, I have to applaud that, and I will, because uh, I am the enemy of the UFO Twitter community. I am the enemy of the UFO Northern community, uh, community, and I hate those people uh, because it's so frustrating to see the movement that was so counterculture to the point that you know UFO abductees uh, were... You know, considered like social pariahs, people like government agents would kill us, like researchers would die in the line of this duty, and that's how we were enemies of the state. You know, we were we were literally public enemy number one, uh, as portrayed like in the X Files and stuff. That now it's people who are just lap dogs of NASA and uh, the DOD, especially the Pentagon, like. Are you kidding me? As a veteran, are you kidding me that you uh, trust the Pentagon <laughs> to tell you the truth about yeah, UFOs? Yeah, just the way people are waiting on these UFO reports from the government. I'm like, you can wait till you're blowing the face. You can put that UFO report in one hand, and you can know what else you can do in the other hand and see which one is going to happen first. Exactly. Because never going to come from the government. First contact will come from the skies before disclosure comes from the government. Exactly. You and have a greater chance of getting abducted by aliens yourself. Exactly. Then yeah. Having the government tell you a straight answer and giving you the actual evidence that they have. Like, it, like the cover-up is... like That's the problem with communities now, I think, too. Not only the UFO community, the Bigfoot community, the, the occult community, all of the communities. Uh, Reddit all of that, you know, like if you have, if it's accessible and moderated or gate kept, it has now been co-opted by, um, it's just this weird, uh, Orwellian, like mega conspiracy where it's like they put people in place to control the conversation and they get all the press, they get all the attention, they get all the, uh you know, the support by these big platforms like Twitter or, um, um, you know, Reddit and things like that. And the real people, the people with real information, with real sightings, with real evidence, real opinions, real research, uh, the real passion for it uh, gets basically, you know, banned. Absolutely uh, marginalized, absolutely, uh, you know, uh, overlooked or ignored. And that it's it's 100%, uh, I think, goes down to the highest level. I think it goes up to the highest level. And, like, if you start noticing people like Lou Elizondo, uh, Tom DeLonge, um, you know, <laughs> Jimmy Podesta, and <coughs> shit like that. That's what I'm saying, like, disgusting, uh, disgustingly obvious, you know, plants, shills, etc., glowies. And you're like, it, it It makes me want to puke. Like, to say that that's the UFO community. It makes me want to puke. Yeah, I see a lot of it uh, on Twitter where it's just... Uh, seems like a lot of really disagreeable people who do a lot of faith in uh, the government. They don't a even lot believe in that. They don't even believe in... Uh, any, they don't even believe in UFOs, really, to be honest. I'd say it definitely. They don't believe in UFOs. They don't believe any evidence is real. 
They don't believe yeah. that any alien abductee is telling the truth. They don't believe in anything the government hasn't confirmed or they have seen on, like, the History Channel, for example. And to, to consider them ufologists is uh, a joke. It's to consider, like, Dr. Oz a heart surgeon. You know, like, it is absolutely, he's just a, he's just a talking head, you know, uh, actor. It's like Dr. Phil, you know, versus someone who's like, you know, an actual brain surgeon or something. Like, it's, it's the level of that, it, divorced from reality, these people have. But yeah, going into the future, uh, the wrap, to like, get into this hour, not to like, just say wrap it up, but like, to get into the hour, we're going to the 60 minute mark and everything, it's been a great interview. Just to tell you that. So, what projects? Okay. What projects do you have um, in the future? Like you said, you want to talk well, about I'm, more ufology and everything. I would love to uh, have you on talking about certain subjects and everything about the ufology uh, uh, subject. You know, regarding extraterrestrials or uh, abduction cases, mass sightings. Oh, yeah. If you need any help with that, you know, I, I absolutely am a ufologist of the top uh, caliber. Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, in the future, I'm looking to get back into making short videos again. I want to see if I can get some traction with the algorithm uh, by producing some more short content. Uh, I'm going to limit streaming to maybe one or two days a week, uh, and then uh, you know, see see how it goes from there. Uh, being that I'm going to be addressing more current event kind of stuff in the future, uh, so we'll see how the audience is receptive to it or not. The uh, short videos will still be about everything fringe, esoteric, uh, you know, occult, UFO. I've got a spreadsheet of about 500 topics I have yet to cover, so that's so awesome. I'm good for 500 videos. That is awesome. That, it's good to know that you have <laughs> the 500 potential videos to mine. That, that's yes. more than enough, I think, to keep you uh, busy for, for at least this calendar year and maybe the next <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. As long as my, you know, Lord willing. Well, that's great. No, and I, I was just going to ask if you were going to go on, uh, maybe focus more on Rumble, maybe focus more on Odyssey or a third party platform. Any any kind of. Well, uh, I'm on Rumble and Odyssey. I'm, not, I'm sorry, I'm on BitChute and Odyssey. Okay. Uh, I haven't set up a Rumble page yet. Uh, something I've been interested in. Uh, maybe I really, I really need to cut loose online, and then that's the place to do it. But uh, you know, so far uh, I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. Well, yeah, I, I would say it's a, it's a good idea on paper. These third-party alternative platforms, but in my experience with them, it feels like there's just not as large as an audience, a standing audience that uses them, a user base. Yeah, that's true. You know, everybody's on YouTube. Everyone loves YouTube. As I said, YouTube is this odd uh, cultural phenomenon, and it's it's you know no small feat like yourself to have achieved three million plus YouTube views or to have been making YouTube content since two thousand fourteen. Um, no. Yeah, and it's no small measure to, for me to say that uh, YouTube creators are influential, are important, are relevant researchers, artists, and presenters, um, just like any mainstream broadcaster, just like any news anchor, just like any journalist working for like the New York Times or these major magazines or anything like that, uh, you know, like any, any newspaper, you have contributed a massive amount of good efforts and will and research into these subjects, and it is appreciated. And thank you very much. Like I say, from the bottom of my heart, as someone who's watched a lot of your content for years, and you know, who I, I'm just choosing to speak for the community of fans at large because I know they feel the same way. Oh well, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. You humbled me. No, no, thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much for uh, thank for being a special guest on the Beyond Top Secret Texan, um, and, and providing it the insight into your career and journey into the conspiratorial world, the world of the obscure, the mysterious, the unexplained, and um, you know. Here is to look into another uh, ten years of you know hopefully another decade of creepy little bit. but uh, thank there you very go. much yeah and like I said if 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 um, 
anything I can do to provide ufology, anything like that, just let me know. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you very much. Uh, everybody out there at Dreamland, that was Pete from Creepy Little Book. Great interview. Go ahead and like his uh, YouTube channel immediately. Subscribe. Uh, help him out. Uh, join his Patreon. <laughs> you know, absolutely do everything you guys can um, just to show him uh, as much respect and gratitude because he has influenced me. And if you are a member of my audience in this country or abroad, thank you all very much in the international uh, audience, by the way, the many different countries that tune in regularly and many different peoples around the world. Go check him out. Creepy Little Book, American YouTuber. Thank you very much, Pete from Creepy Little Book. It's been amazing. It's been an amazing hour. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Very much. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. God bless you and your families. Peace out.